in a chemical world and I'm a chemical nondescript person. We are living in a chemical world and I am a chemical girl. We are living in a chemical world and I am a chemical girl or boy. We are living in a chemical world and I am a chemical This is Chemical World. Thank you, Muggsy Faye, for that awesome song. I am Kenna Crampton. Thank you for joining us today. Yes, thank you so much, Kenna, as always, for having me, being here in the studio with me. I am Maggie Seldine slash Muggsy Faye, founder and director of High Rockies Harm Reduction, host of Chemical World and some other stuff sometimes, and uh, aspiring musician and sometimes songwriter. Excited to be here with y'all today. I'm excited, too, and I am really excited that you played that song because I didn't know what song you were going to play. <laughs> and when you started it, I was like, oh, sweet. I know this song because I didn't know CAS. I don't think I'd ever heard you play that one from last month. Oh, um, cool. So that was cool to hear a new one. But then it's always good when you are like, oh, yeah, that, you know, brings you back. Well, that's good to know. I'm, I like that surprising you is working out well for everybody. <laughs> and uh, yeah, that when I was playing that, I was like, oh, Kenna knows this one from when we would play together all the time. And yeah, it's funny with my songs. Um, a lot of them, you know, I write and sometimes it just takes perfecting it once. And that's like all I need. And then I never play it again. Um, but uh, that song was called Revelate. And that was the title track off of my first album, All of my albums are available for I think like either free or super super cheap I think my discography of three albums is 64 cents Mm. on Bandcamp as Muggsy Faye because I just want to make it accessible if people like it I want them 
to be able to like it. Um, but, you know, I've decided to start adding some music to the show because my songs, you know, they might not all be they might not all be really like obviously about addiction and recovery and mental health. But I feel like that is definitely the underlying theme um, of most of them. And when I picked that song to play today, you know, for me, it's very it's very obvious. I'm talking about drinking in the song. I'm talking about, you know, working on getting better, working on getting stronger. And what's funny to me is I was thinking about it today before I came into the studio. I didn't even realize how much of my life at the time that I came out with that album in 2000 and. 2014 like it that was the beginning of my recovery journey and just sharing these you know feelings through song is is such a huge part of my recovery Mm. yeah and it is one of those things where when you start to really take a minute to look at your feelings and what's actually going on in your head is when you realize oh I've been numbing this for a really long time and Maybe that's what needs to change. Totally. And that's, I think, you know, the perfect segue to what I really wanted to talk about today and what I want to talk about all the time is, you know, chemicals and how addiction and and substance abuse and when we use to a point that it starts hurting us or or any use, really, it's all just, you know, a, a coping mechanism. And for most of us who for whatever reason, we were born this way, we wake up one day, however we get here, we don't feel comfortable with whatever the chemical, ba- whatever chemicals are happening naturally, it's not working for us. Mm-hmm. And like any drug we take is just mimicking natural chemical reactions, right? So it's like, whether we're even aware of it, we're all trying to like, get to a place chemically where we feel Okay. Does that make sense? Yeah, it does make sense. I mean, you know, as little as the coffee that you drink in the morning or, you know, sugar that you put in whatever, you know, it's that's all of us just trying to figure out how to get by. (laughs) Right. And that makes me think like, you know, the person who's sleepy in the morning, imagine being the person who's so chronically depressed that you can't get out of bed, you know, Mm -hmm. and, and coffee isn't enough. Like that person needs something too, right? And so we all are seeking whatever we can in this external world, whether it's, you know, illicit drugs or medications or herbs or tinctures, like we're all, or sugar or coffee, whether we know it or not, we're all like constantly like changing our brains and and the way our bodies interact with the world around us for the better or worse, right? And I think the big problem is when we don't understand what those chemicals are doing or what they're even supposed to do. And that might be like I might be putting the cart before the horse a little bit there, but I think that that is a a big problem in both legal and illegal drug use is that we don't fully understand like what is, you know, MDMA supposed to do or supposed to feel Uh like because if we knew that, then maybe we would know when it wasn't MDMA, when it was obviously, you know, ketamine or fentanyl or or something else. And so Mm. I think it's like – or even a a medication you get from the doctor. I feel like it's hard to fully know all of the side effects and everything it's going to do, right? Yeah. Yeah. And I mean even just – Oh, no, never mind. I don't know what I was going to say about that. <laughs> That's okay. I can keep going and you can interject <laughs> as much as you'd like. Um, and, you know, I I see now how for me for, for years, for decades, I was 
self-medicating with alcohol, opioids, and stimulants, you know, whatever I could get my hands on that allowed me to numb it. I didn't want any of those hallucinogens, none of that mind-expanding stuff. Yeah. I don't want to broaden my perspectives at all. I'm trying to, like, narrow my perspective because I think, too, it's like depression, mental health, trauma. It can be so overwhelming. It's like we just want to escape. We want to escape the thoughts and the feelings. We want to escape reality, whether that's for a moment, for a month, for our entire lives, we, we don't feel like we can handle reality, right? So I think commonly we, we numb it with alcohol. And then, you know, for those of us who choose to or, you know, make the conscious fight to quit drinking and quit using substances, and this is where, you know, like, chemical world comes from, hierarchies, harm reduction comes from, none of us ever really stop using substances, right? Yeah. Like very, very few of us. And so that's why I say like recovery is quality of life and finding like what substances work for you. And I want to make chemical world the show more about, you know, sharing our own experiences and our own stories. So. Well, and I think that that, like you said, it's about quality of life and sometimes you have to fix the quality of your life in order to even want to quit and even yeah. start trying to figure out how to get to a point where you can use yet less substances because it's like if your life sucks, you don't want to be a part of it. You don't want to um, engage in it. Oh, absolutely. And, you know, to summarize like a million and one books out there on the subject, like very common symptoms of trauma and mental health issues are guilt. I mean, survivor's guilt. When you lose anyone, mm -hmm. I think mm -hmm. you experience survivor's guilt. Um, and survivor's guilt from being on the streets, being in prisons, being part of, you know, drug culture. But there's this, you know, self-loathing and this this blame that so many of us put on ourselves. And so when you have, you know, the whole world telling you like, yeah, you are a piece of crap and you are just a junkie and you are just this and that, then yeah, of course you're going to keep using because you don't. And I say this to people all the time. It's like people who don't have this experience don't understand why people don't just quit or don't just say no. It's like because they do not value their life. Mm -hmm. And I know that because I've been there. Because if you told me, don't take that pill, it's going to kill you, I'd be like, oh, yeah. Well, like, what did I think injecting heroin was going to do? What did I think drinking alcohol every night was going to do? Mm -hmm. You know, like, I don't value my life or my well-being. Yeah, I literally said the words, I don't care if I die like my dad did. Yeah. So, like, yeah, I, I remember just – and, I, and I, didn't, I didn't put that together that, like, oh, I didn't value what my life. I thought I was having a great time. But I was like, but I'm also – I don't give – I don't care what happens, you know? And this is so. a dark place that many people end up in. It's like, yeah, we need help stabilizing in other areas of our life before we can even consider letting go of the one thing that has always been there for us and brought us comfort. Yeah, well, and, I mean, even when – after you get sober or, you know, or quit whatever substance is – giving causing you issues in your life you still have to try and change that um that dialogue that's happening in your head of oh i suck i'm nothing i don't matter to anybody i don't you know i mean that i still i mean i i make one little mistake and i'll say like oh i hate myself or you know just oh, little absolutely. things like that where so i mean it's still going on and you like that's such a that's such a habit that has to be broken that I'm, you know, I don't know if you ever get to a point where you don't hate yourself. But well, you just gave me one of those like obvious aha moments where it's like, oh, my God, this is like a revelation. But it's also like should be so obvious, which is that, yeah, like 
when you stop drinking, the pain doesn't go away. And that's why Mm -hmm. sobriety, abstinence sobriety does not work because there are medications that are maybe just as addictive and dangerous or more addictive and dangerous than like what you were using before, but that can help you cope, that are pure, that are are a little safer, that can be monitored by your doctor. And you wake up and not want to kill yourself. Like, I don't care what it is that gets you to wake up and get out of bed and not want to kill yourself. Like, whatever that thing is, like, I support that, you know? Like, I mean, for the most part, like, as long as you're not harming other people, of course. But, you know, and that's just... I think a re- like people talk about like encouraging. I'm like I'm not encouraging anything other than like what people are already encouraging people to live their own lives, yeah, and be their own selves and, and be their their best you. And you, oh, go well, ahead. and just if you are gonna go about like trying to you know quit abs like to go <laughs> go the abstinence route, then you really have to work the program, and you really have to you know be a part and like volunteer and give your time away and focus on something outside of yourself. Oh, yeah. Otherwise, it doesn't work. It doesn't work at all. You know, I mean, you really have to you really have to put the work in, whether it's the work into AA or the work into self-care and the work into, you know, making your life into something that you want it to be. You have to put that work in. Otherwise, you just go back to where you were. Well, it's like a diet. You can't just eat keto for a month and go back to eating McDonald's every day. Like Mm -hmm. these are lifestyle changes you have to make. And that's what is so hard about sobriety is it can be letting go of so much of the past. And like 100% sobriety can still be the goal, but like not all at once. That can be extremely dangerous. Mm -hmm. And, you know, I I don't want to like name names, but I just want to say to the listeners out there, it can be extremely dangerous if you are dependent on alcohol to stop drinking. Like there are medications that exist that can help you and make that experience comfortable and safe. Like the most tragic thing that can happen and that did happen is when somebody is trying to get better and they die because they were trying to get better. You know, that is so tragic. But um, I divert from that kind of going back. So, you know, when we talk about like treatment and chemicals and what exists out there, our society is kind of backwards. I've talked about the schedule, drug scheduling in our um, country many times. And what's ironic is we, you know, that we have our Schedule One drug class, which is supposed to be reserved for the most dangerous and addictive and most lethal drugs. And that drug class is comprised of heroin, LSD, peyote, psilocybin, LSD, maybe PCP, but bottom line, like drugs that of course have risks and benefits like anything, but actually do like no harm to the organs of the body whatsoever like they really Mm. can't hurt you like the therapeutic index for these drugs it is very difficult to die from a dose of any of those drugs i mean lsd and psilocybin like are not addictive Um, again addiction is personality based more than it is drug based yes heroin is more addictive than other drugs but then we have chemicals like alcohol and cigarettes that aren't even on that list that are just sold nationwide and kill more people than most things other than, of course, you know, fentanyl is coming up fast vying for a spot. But, you know, it's just so backwards. And so I wanted to, you know, open up, as always, about myself and my own experience and 
also, you know, talk about data and trends and statistics of what's going on out there. We've known for a long time, before the drug scheduling system was created in 1980, there was a lot of data supporting the benefits of drugs like MDMA and ketamine and psilocybin or mushrooms in the treatment of disorders like depression and PTSD. But the drug war has effectively smashed those markets and that treatment field. But we're definitely in kind of like a hallucinogenic renaissance right now, especially here in Colorado. I mean, even in other parts of Colorado, I don't think people are really experiencing what we are here in the Valley, which is very cool. But in the front range, they are doing clinical trials for psilocybin and MDMA. So hopefully these will be FDA-approved treatments soon. But for the time being, because ketamine has always been a Schedule three drug used in uh, human and animal veterinary tranquilizing and sedation, um, it's commonly not used with people because it's known to cause upsetting hallucinations. But um, a lot of providers throughout the Valley are now using it to elicit the disassociative state that is necessary and also utilized in other hallucinogenic treatments to help patients move through um, their trauma issues. I have a family history of mental health. Um, so I've been prescribed antidepressants a few times throughout my life, and I've never taken them. Be- and I'm also a psych major uh, because I knew uh, not only were there serious risks, but there aren't very serious benefits. Um, the FDA is a joke. I don't know if I'm allowed to say that on the air, but. Um, you know, it's just ridiculous. There are so many more studies showing that antidepressants don't work than showing that they do work. And the only studies that show that they do work are in collaboration with therapy. So really the therapy and addressing your issues is what works more. I mean, antidepressants help a lot of people. They help a lot of people stabilize. I am not by any means saying that they don't have benefits. But statistically, just like many things I I try to find solutions for, they aren't as effective. I tried my first antidepressant this year. Um, It was presented to me as something that would be a little safer for me given my history and predispositions and it didn't didn't go very well. And um, then the option of ketamine treatment was presented to me. And I had researched this before. I'm pretty familiar with it, but um, now I've done it. So I'm very excited to to share that. Um, I hope we can uh, dive more into the specifics because I'd like to, you know, share a firsthand look at really what that looks like. But it's really cool just reading the data, you know, on um, because I also don't, you know, I want to be clear, my experience is my experience and may not be for everyone. But um, just the data that ketamine can be up to 70% effective at treating depression compared to 30% with traditional medications. And it also can help with pain. And that was really the the real reason I got sent there. But my pain is associated with my trauma. And as science is starting to figure out, like, our bodies are all connected? Weird. (laughs) Like, everything, like, if you, like, hit your funny bone, you can feel it in your knee. It's weird. Like, everything's connected. Um, But so... It's it's fascinating to me as a patient how the ketamine helps with pain. It, it's really supposed to like help rework your neural pathways. So like that ruminative thinking you were talking about um, and, and the pain pathways, like it helps kind of disrupt those. Um, and it, it's, you know, something you can do in one day. It's extremely expensive, but compared to medications that take weeks, months to build up or dangerous opioids, like just reading the information just on the website is like, oh, my God, yeah. 
wow. Like, wow. (laughs) But um, it's definitely uh, not for everyone. But I think it's really, really cool to know that we have alternative options out there. Mm -hmm. Um, Again, like there, there are huge barriers to most people accessing these. But I know like places like MindSprings are even doing ketamine inhalers now. So and there are scholarship programs for some of the infusion clinics. Um, but yeah, it's just uh, cool to know that there's something different and and more different things coming down the pipeline for these mental health issues that have just been so pervasive for so long. Yeah. Yeah. And we want to also just be clear that we're not condoning people trying these things without um, <laughs> consulting your doctor or, you know, I, especially ketamine can be really dangerous when you're taking it um at home. (laughs) Absolutely. And I mean, honestly, anything, if you're looking to get like serious mental health benefits from any drug, psilocybin, LSD, I mean, anything, I don't condone like just going out and doing it. Like that's not. And that goes for antidepressants as well. Yeah, no, please (laughs) consult Anything that's going to mess with your brain, you definitely want to consult with a doctor before you start doing it. And I I don't know why I felt like I needed to. No, that's fair. I'm not being paid by any ketamine clinics to talk about this. I just like couldn't. But it's funny. It's interesting to me. I feel like it's so in vogue right now. I was like surprised with how easy they recommended it to me. But that's Mm -hmm. I also have a tendency to like invalidate my own trauma. Like, oh, wow, I got that med card so easy. Not like, oh, I must like have very severe PTSD that it's so obvious (laughs) that I need this. Right. But um, I just think. Yeah, anything you want to be doing with a professional, we all need, like, insight into these. And, you know, High Rockies Harm Reduction has peer support specialists that can help connect people with, like, any kind of treatments or services in the Valley. Because I think it it can be intimidating to Mm -hmm. even just, like, make a new primary care connection. And that was, like, for me to get the ketamine, this has been... Um, working with a lot of different doctors, you know, and, and a lot of different providers. And, and then it's like with most of these things, like if you want to get withdrawal medications, if you want to get on medication-assisted treatment, like you still have to work with people and follow rules. <laughs> to It's not just like willy-nilly free ketamine doses down at the COVID clinic. But someday, who's to say? Yeah, who knows? But also the great thing about working with a peer support or a peer coach or or anyone really in that that's a professional in that field that you can figure out what treatment will work best for you. Of course, like you said, you've gone through a lot of different, um, you know, treatments or whatever just to kind of figure out what works. So right now this is working and hopefully it continues working. And like you said, I think next month we'll be able to actually like dive into what those look like. Yeah, for I sure. It'll be really cool. And I will say, like, for me, after the, like, you're supposed to do, like, at least five, four to six, and we can talk more about this, but at least four to six sessions. And after my third session, I was like, this isn't working. I'm still depressed. <laughs> and I was like, telling myself, because I think that we are always looking for that silver bullet. And I hear people all the time, I tried it once and it didn't work. And it's like you were saying about like, you have to dedicate yourself to this. Like my self care is like a 20 hour a week job because I have serious trauma and serious Mm -hmm. issues that I've been struggling to work through for a long time. And it was extremely frustrating, like to go to the doctor over and over again, my whole life. And then all of a sudden have all these diagnoses be thrown at me that I've been dealing with forever and never getting the help that I need. And so as a chronic pain patient, as somebody living with, you know, chronic debilitating depression, like it's frustrating when you feel like 
you are just going to have to keep trying different things. But at least there is something different. And at least I feel like I have a team of people who supports me in what is like meaningful to me. Like I am a holistic person with holistic values. And so this is like what aligns for me. For the next person, you know, maybe this medication or that medication. But it also Mm -hmm. like it is. We all have to try and find that right chemical balance in this chemical world. (laughs) Wow, that was a great way to finish off the episode. <laughs> yeah, sorry. I was okay. a little too on the nose. <laughs> yeah, but perfect. And um, thank you for sharing. I know that that took a lot of courage to share what is going on in your personal life, you know. And so thank you for sharing and letting us know what's going on and different things that are different things that people can look into to help them. Yeah, and thank you for listening. And to quote Florence and the Machine, I'll say, there's nothing I can do but open up my arms and give it all to you. So I'm pleased as punch to be, you know, here in the studio with you, out here doing this work in the community. And, you know, music is really a huge way for me to work through my issues, whether it's writing music, listening to music. And that's why, you know, it's so cool to be here at Katie and Kay. Katie and Kay is just such an amazing emerald gem of our community of the whole valley. And um, I just hope to see people out there uh, throughout the summer as I'm doing my work with High Rockies and hopefully playing some music too. That would be great. <laughs> and you can keep up with Muggsy Faye on Um, Instagram and Facebook, as well as High Rockies Harm Reduction, Chemical World, and Katie and Kay. You can catch up with all of those places on social media, um, Instagram and Facebook. And Chemical World will be back at you next month on August 8th at 4.30, so tune in. If you'd like to hear past episodes, you can go to katieandk.org or wherever you listen to podcasts. Thank you for listening to Chemical World, and remember, you don't have to be sober to keep your community clean. We are living in a chemical world, and I'm a chemical nondescript person. We are living in a chemical world, and I am a chemical girl. We are living in a chemical world, and I am a chemical girl or boy. We are living in a chemical world, and I am a chemical girl.